I woke late on Friday, the 1st of November, having stayed up late with a favorite book that I was reading between trips to the door in answer to the intermittent summons of several pirates, a robot costumed in cardboard boxes, a couple of skeletons, and a steady stream of other trick-or-treaters whose attire defied analysis in combination with their winter boots, coats, hats, and gloves. Trick-or-treat, they called out when I opened the door and gave them back a Happy Halloween, along with their expected treats, a couple of which fell into the depths of large, optimistically offered pillowcases. One of the earliest visitors was a small blonde fairy, wearing blue wings over her down jacket and clinging shyly to the hand of her father, my next-door-but-one neighbor, Jack Gifford. "'What do you say to Mrs. McNabb?' he prompted her, after I had dropped several candies into the plastic pumpkin she carried in her other hand. "'Thank you,' she told me, in just over a whisper. "'You're very welcome, Shelley,' I told her, then watched with a smile as they went down the drive, remembering how my own two children had loved dressing up for Halloween. The tradition was clearly alive and well in Homer, Alaska, and I enjoyed the parade of costumed spirits that mittened expectantly on my door. For the first time in several years, I had not driven my motorhome down the long Alaska highway in the fall of the year to spend the winter in warmer southern climes. During the school year, RV parks are often short on children and long on retired senior citizens. So it made me feel very much at home to recognize the children of my neighborhood, now grown a little taller than I remembered them. Rolling over that morning after All Hallows' Eve, as my Daniel liked to call it, I sat up and swung my feet over the side of the bed to feel for the slippers I had left on the floor beside it. Instead, one foot brushed the warm back of my mini dachshund stretch, already wide awake and waiting attentively holding down one of my blue fuzzy slippers with both paws, as if he expected it to attempt an escape. "'Good morning, lovey,' I told him, giving him a pat before reaching to retrieve the slipper and standing up to put on the fleece robe I had hung on the bedpost before retiring. "'I know it's late and you want to go out, don't you? "'Well, let's go down and you can do your business while I start the coffee.' I scooped him up and carried him down the stairs and into the hallway next to the kitchen. Unlocking and opening the door just enough to let him scamper out into the cold first of November morning, I was reminded by the icy breath of the early Alaskan winter that it was arriving as anticipated, though we had yet to see snow. So I quickly closed the door after him and stepped to the nearby thermostat to turn up the heat which I normally lower several degrees at night, preferring to sleep cool, but not cold. With the coffee gurgling cheerfully through a filter into the pot, I turned to fill Stretch's water and food bowls, then went back to the door in response to his scratching on the other side. Cold weather meant he didn't take time to tour and inspect the yard before wanting to come back inside, his usual practice before the temperature drops significantly. Though the weatherman had predicted the possibility of clouds rolling in later in the afternoon, it was bright and sunny outside that morning, and the thermometer outside the kitchen window read 34 degrees, just above freezing. Sitting at the table with a mug of coffee and an English muffin liberally spread with peanut butter and P. 
peach jam made earlier in the year by a friend. I enjoyed the view to the south over the wide waters of Kachemek Bay that were sparkling in the sunlight and in the Kenai Mountains rising beyond, white with a line of snow halfway down. It was, I decided, a perfect morning for a walk. Want to go walk about? I asked Stretch, who had finished his breakfast and gone to lie down by the sliding door to the back deck, where he could keep an eye out for any squirrel or bird trespassing in the yard. Though walkabout was one of my deceased husband Daniel's Aussie terms, which I had adopted, Stretch, originally his dog, knew immediately what I meant and was on his feet in agreement with the idea. Good. We'll stop by the post office and pick up the mail, then go out on the spit and walk the beach for a bit, okay? His enthusiastically wagging tail was answer enough. So after a quick shower, I pinned my hair up in its usual twist, noticing a bit more gray at the temples, dressed warmly, and put his red plaid coat on stretch. Though it was sunny, I knew we could count on it being cool, especially with the breeze that usually whispers in across the waters of the inlet and flows over the long, narrow arm of land that forms the spit. This narrow, natural extension of land reaches five miles out into the bay and holds the marina and port of Homer, along with condominiums, small tourist shops, now mostly closed for the season, huge parking lots, and the Land's End Hotel and Restaurant. After pouring the rest of the pot of coffee into a thermos, I added sugar and a splash of milk and took it with me, along with a bottle of water and a plastic bowl for Stretch. We were on our way shortly in my small car, Stretch riding shotgun in the basket that hangs from the backrest of the passenger seat, a considerable and welcome boost for a small dog who likes to be able to see out the window.